Arthur Machen once wrote that strange things are lost and forgotten in obscure corners of the newspaper. Welcome to Forgotten Darkness, a podcast that will aim to prove that that statement is true. Los Gatos, April 4th. Robert Nichols, aged 11, will be brought before Superior Judge B.F. Gosby in the juvenile court at San Jose tomorrow, when one of the strangest stories of juvenile crime that has ever been carried to the ears of probation officers of this county will be investigated. The lad is accused of administering rough-on-rats, an arsenic poison, in a systematic manner to his foster mother, Mrs. Mary Bezos. The supposition of the woman's friends is that the lad was impelled to kill her through fear that she would discover that he had robbed her of $200 that she had received recently as damages from the Interurban Railroad Company on account of an accident. That Mrs. Bezos was not killed was probably due to the fact that the poison was given in small and graduated doses and that her system became fortified against the drug, although it is believed she was fed the greater part of two boxes. The expose of the condition of affairs in the Bezos household came about by accident. Mrs. Bezos had been in ill health for a considerable length of time, and of late her condition had become alarming. Her physician thought that he noticed symptoms of arsenic poisoning, and asked her if she was addicted to the use of the drug. On April 1st, Mrs. Bezos received a bill from a local drugstore, showing that her son had obtained two boxes of rough-on-rats. Prior to this time, money had been disappearing from the Bezos household, and it had been reported that Robert had been spending freely and had been giving money to schoolmates. Putting two and two together, the mother's suspicions were finally aroused, and she confided in her attorney, H.A. Harding. The lad was questioned closely by the lawyer and finally admitted, it is reported, that he gave his mother a quarter of a teaspoonful of the poison and a glass of water. Each morning, she had been drinking a glass of water, according to the directions of her physician, and the boy usually brought it to her. The boy only admits to administering the poison on one occasion, but does not tell a satisfactory story in regard to what he did with the remainder of the drug. He has told conflicting stories in regard to the disposition of the money he is alleged to have taken. Harding reported the results of his investigation to probation officers. A petition will be signed tomorrow, it was announced tonight, which will bring them the youngster and his mother before Judge Gosby. San Jose, April 5th. Did Robert Nichols, the 11-year-old Los Gatos boy, attempt to take the, the life of his foster mother by administering a dose of rat poison? Or is the story of Mrs. Olympia Bezos the vaporing of a demented mind brought about by her weak physical condition of the woman? Officers of Santa Clara County, to whose attention the matter's been brought, are inclined to believe the latter theory and shield the boy in what they declare is an attempt to send him to the reform school. Los Gatos, where the boy and his foster parents reside, is considerably agitated over the story 
and there is a strong tendency to censure the woman. Mrs. Bezos, the wife of a Los Gatos hotel keeper and well-to-do property owner, presented the charges against the boy through an attorney, and an investigation was immediately commenced. Mrs. Bezos charges that the boy on several occasions placed a small quantity of rat poison in a glass of water and gave it to her to drink before breakfast. She says that she drank the water upon the orders of a physician who has been attending her for several months. The most peculiar feature of this case is that the lad admits to having given the woman poison and in the face of medical assertions which tend to prove it impossible, still clings to his story. It is, therefore, the opinion of the members of the juvenile court committee that the boy is under a hypnotic spell and that he has been coerced into telling the story through fear. Mrs. Isabel Merriman, who heads the work of the juvenile court in this city, has taken the case up and announced today that she will produce evidence that will prove that the boy never gave Mrs. Bezos the poison, and that if he had, it would have been detected long before the potion was drunk. I believe that the boy is the victim of a conspiracy, said Mrs. Merriman, after she had completed her examination into the case this afternoon. And if the truth was only known, I think it would be shown that the boy had been coerced into confessing to a crime with which he had nothing to do. She brought the matter to the attention of Sheriff Langford and District Attorney Free this afternoon, and it is probable that they will cooperate with Mrs. Merriman in investigating the mysterious case. Mrs. Bezos asserts that the lad stole over $200 from her, and that he endeavored to take her life to prevent her from discovering the theft. Neighbors place little credence in this story of Mrs. Bezos, and say that if the lad took the money, he had no opportunity to spend it as the woman always kept them under observation. Dr. W.A. Whiffen, who has been attending Mrs. Bezos for some months, said today that it was an impossibility for Mrs. Bezos to have taken the poison without detecting it. Another physician said that Mrs. Bezos could not have taken regular doses of rat poison for three weeks and survived. In contradiction to Mrs. Bezos' statement that the drink was tasteless, this doctor said that rough-on-rats placed in water would give it a bitter taste and make it difficult to swallow. Is Mrs. Bezos mentally sound? Dr. Whiffen was asked. I prefer not to discuss her mental capacity, the physician replied. The Nichols boy is no relation to the Bezoses. His father and mother are separated and have not seen each other for six years. Neither have they inquired about or seen the boy. His mother is believed to be in San Francisco. He was born at the Bezos home, and when five years old was taken into the family by Mrs. Bezos, who promised to raise him. This is the second attempt to bring the child before the juvenile court. The former time was when Mrs. Bezos charged him about a year ago with attempting to burn down the home by saturating it with coal oil. Later she repented and took the boy home. The Bezoses are, are keeping the boy closely guarded, and when an effort was made to see him today, Reporters were refused admission to the house. No complaint has been made against the child, and unless one is filed before 2 o'clock tomorrow afternoon, he cannot be brought before the juvenile court this week. San Jose, April 6th. Little Robert Nichols will not be charged before the juvenile court with having administered poison to his foster mother. 
Mrs. Olympia Bezos today admitted that she did not believe that the boy gave her the drug and refused to make a complaint. Probation Officer Lee returned here today and upon hearing the refusal, charged the boy with refusing to obey his guardian. The lad will be brought before the court tomorrow on this charge that a more thorough examination can be made into the case. For three hours today, the boy was examined by Dr. T.H. Stice, one of the leading sanity experts of the state. After the examination, the physician pronounced the lad mentally sound, but added that the case baffled him, owing to the fact that the boy could give no motive for attempting to kill his foster parent. His story of giving the poison was so accurate for a child of his age that the opinion formed by the doctor was that the lad had been well coached. The officials of Santa Clara County have become so interested in the case that they would not allow the indictment to be dropped, and when Mrs. Bezos admitted that the boy's story was incredible, the officers in insisted he be examined by a sanity expert. You did not give me any poison, did you, Robert? said Mrs. Bezos. Yes, I did, Mama, said the boy. As he looked straight ahead at his mother, his large blue eyes and peaked features, not showing the least quiver as he made this remarkable statement. Why did you do it? He was asked. I don't know. Something stronger than my mind came over me, and I could not resist, he answered in his old-fashioned way. Although not yet 11 years of age, Robert Nichols has a most remarkable education. He speaks French fluently, Yet Mrs. Bezos says he has never taken a lesson in his life. He is about four feet tall, has blue eyes, brown hair, and a very thin face. Mrs. Bezos said today that the lad is abnormal, and that he has never had any playmates, and that most of his time has been spent in study and reading fairy tales. In his examination before physicians, court officials, and reporters, the boy showed that he is guided by mental suggestion. His story of the poisoning and the theft of the money cover only certain lines. When asked about some new feature of the case which he has not thought of, the lad sits still and thinks. He will not answer any question put to him until he receives some intimation of what kind of answer the Inquisitor wants. Then he will reply, but unless he knows that he is treading on safe ground, he refuses to speak. Mrs. Bezos' change of front in the case is puzzling the officials. She insisted on prosecuting the boy until she read in the examiner today that physicians stated that poisoning by this method, especially when it covered such a period of time, was impossible. Immediately she changed her tactics, and when she arrived at the probation office, she had the firm intention of not letting the child go before the juvenile committee. I do not think that Robert tried to kill me, I think that he is mistaken and thought he gave me the poison. There is some deep motive behind the case, said a prominent official of the court, who will be highly interested in the investigation, which will take place tomorrow. San Jose, April 6th. But I did give rat poison to Mama and Papa. Nearly two boxes of it. Calmly and dispassionately, and seemingly with full realization of what he is doing, 11-year-old Robert Nichols today reiterated his confession before a disconcerting array of juvenile court officers and newspapermen, and baffled all the attempts of a medical expert to throw any light on his strange case. Fully realizing the seriousness of what he had done, and dreading the punishment he feels will be given him, he would say nothing that would in any way 
helped to clear him of the confessed crime. Nichols almost wept at the officer's apparent skepticism and declared that between January 17th and March 22nd, he had systematically given his foster mother and father rough on rats that they might die seemingly natural deaths and that his alleged theft of $200 might be covered up. Robert denied having other motive, other than covering up his thefts, but declared that something seemed to take hold of him and force him to poison his foster parents' drinking water. He said that sometimes he did not feel just right, and that immediately after he had administered a dose of the deadly arsenic rat poison, he was overcome with remorse and fear. He never confessed his acts at these times, nor took any steps to alleviate the sufferings of the couple that had, had befriended him, though he realized that should they die, he might be severely punished. The gentle sweating process the lad was at first subjected to by probation officers of the juvenile court had no effect. Later threats to throw him into a deep, dark, rat-infested dungeon, and every means known to the authorities, who are used to handling wayward youths, without resorting to physical violence, failed to shake the boy's story. On no point did he contradict himself, though he was asked the same questions over and over again by, different, by several different people at different times. The case is one which baffles medical experts, and will prove a hard problem for juvenile Judge Gosby when it comes up in court tomorrow. The boy was carefully examined for traces of insanity this afternoon, and was declared perfectly normal by Dr. T.H. Stice, formerly for years in charge of the receiving department of the Stockton State Hospital for the Insane and prominent expert in nervous disorders. He was subjected to most of the preliminary tests known to science, and was carefully questioned, but without avail. A theory to the effect that the lad inherits a homicidal mania was advanced today by his foster mother, Mrs. Olympia Bezos of Los Gatos, and by a San Jose woman who formerly was well acquainted with the Nichols family, who declares that an older sister of the little boy had committed suicide by taking poison some 12 years ago. The boy's father had passed his 60th year when Robert was born, one of a pair of twins. Both are living, and both appear to be normal, healthy, bright children. Among the neighbors in the Santa Cruz Mountains where the Nichols family lived, rumor had circulated the story that the identity of the father might be doubted. The boys were born in the Olympia Hotel, which was owned and run by Mrs. Bezos. And when the father and mother of the little boys quarreled and left the children, Mrs. Bezos took Robert to raise. She and her husband, she said, had always intended to adopt the boy, but had never taken the necessary legal steps. Little Robert's twin brother is living with a grown brother, Thomas Nichols, who is a teamster in Los Gatos. There are no other relatives. Mrs. John Bezos and little Robert Nichols came to San Jose this afternoon in answer to a summons from the probation officer, George W. Lee, and both were closely questioned. Robert told the same story as that related to the call reporter last evening at the Bezos' home in Los Gatos. He declared that within the last few months, he had stolen money from his benefactors in small amounts from a hoard they kept in the house. Robert said that in January, he began to fear detection, and the fact worried him greatly. About the same time, he said, he began having trouble with his head and something took a hold of his mind. He conceived the idea 
that if he could put his foster parents out of the way, he would not be held responsible for their losses. The idea mastered him. He remembered that he had seen Mrs. Bezos place some rat poison upon a shelf two years ago, and he tried this on a pet dog. The dog promptly died. Robert felt no twinges of conscience. Remorse is unknown to him. He missed the dog's companionship, but that was all. The effect of the poison upon the dog led him to experiment further. Robert purchased a box of rough-on-rats at Watson's Pharmacy in Los Gatos, having it charged to his mother's account. Both Bezos and his wife were ill at the time and had an account at the drugstore. The mother's physician had prescribed hot water, and the boy was called upon to prepare this and bring it to her bedside several times a day. Systematically, on an average of once in three days, the boy dropped a pinch of the rough-on-rats into the water, and the nearsighted patient took this in a darkened room without suspecting trouble. Fortunately for her, it transpired, her physician had prescribed a tonic which, con which contained enough iron to form a chemical reaction, ferric arsenate, and this saved the woman's life. For several weeks, Mrs. Bezos hovered near death, and her case baffled one physician after another. Several asked her if she habitually used arsenic, and her emphatic denials that she ever used any drug puzzled them the more. Late in March, when she received her bill from the drugstore, she questioned one item, rough on rats, 25 cents, and an investigation showed that the boy had made the purchase. The lad was confronted and confessed. Mrs. Bezos consulted attorney H.A. Harding of Los Gatos, and the matter was brought before the attention of the juvenile court authorities. In his examination today by the probation officer, every effort was made to compel Robert to give contradictory statements, but he held out. An attempt was even made to compel him to confess to the attempted poisoning of a fictitious Los Gatos man to no avail. Quietly and soberly, in perfect English and with extreme courtesy, the boy answered every question put to him. He showed in many instances the affection he bears for his foster mother, despite his self-confessed attempts to end her life. He declares he thoroughly realizes the gravity of position and can only wait for his punishment. He is seemingly resigned and cares little what form his punishment might take. San Jose, April 7th. That Robert Nichols, the 11-year-old Los Gatos boy, never gave his foster mother, Mrs. Olympia Bezos, rat poison, is under a hypnotic spell which has made of him a monumental liar, and has so exaggerated his mental capacity that he could concoct a story by which he hoped to excite sympathy and hold the center of the stage of notoriety is the opinion of the juvenile court officials of this county, before whom little Robert today underwent a three-hours cross-examination. During the investigation, he said that he had conversed with the inhabitants of the spirit world, and had charmed them by song. Whether the boy is under the influence of his foster mother, or whether he is the subject of a traveling hypnotist as Mrs. Bezos animates, the court has been unable to determine. But the fact was evident today that during the time Mrs. Bezos was refused admission to the juvenile court proceedings, the boy told a far different story than he did when she was present. The court has refused to allow the child to return to the custody of Mrs. Bezos for a week at least, 
and tomorrow, upon the suggestion of Alienus, he will be taken before W.B. Stone, a professor of hypnotics, with the idea of bringing him from the spell which, it, which overcame him about two years ago. The most startling evidence at the hearing today was the statement of Mrs. Basis that, two years ago, she took the child to a traveling hypnotist, who agreed to cure him of his tendency to steal. Mrs. Basis said that, from time to time, the lad had seemed peculiar, but she had never had any idea that the boy planned to give her poison, nor did he give her any, to her knowledge. The boy sat in Judge Gosby's court sometime this afternoon, and lied and lied and lied. A crowd in the courtroom gazed at him with amazement as he narrated his dreadful, de his dreadful deeds. The youngster, with slick hair in the garb of a small French boy and an air of complacency, preened himself as he told the tale of poisoning, how he bought the rat poison, how he gave it to his guardian, and how he had poisoned a small dog. He stuck to his story on cross-examination, was proceeding with the air of a star witness in a murder trial when he tripped up. The audience and court officials had been listening to him with such close attention that he mistook their astonishment for admiration, and to show that he was far more wicked than they imagined, he blandly announced that he had done worse than he had told. I set fire to a barn in the Santa Cruz Mountains when I was a year old, he said. The snicker that followed disconcerted him for the first time, and he willed it. I believe in spiritualism, so does Mrs. Bezos, my mother, he said. I have seen spirits in a dark room, and they came toward me as a small light, getting larger all the time. I only saw their heads and faces, and they came and went. I sang to them, and charmed them so that they would not leave unless I wanted them to go. I've seen people hypnotized, too, he said. Once at the theater in Los Gatos, the man had a woman on the stage. She went to sleep, but I was never hypnotized. After he left the stand, he listened to his foster mother and his teacher, Mrs. Bell Cunningham, but their remarks bored him. He yawned, stretched, and then leaned back in his chair with the air of a man of the world, compelled to listen to something in which he had not the most remote interest. It developed from the evidence that the boy had been reading of the deeds of Madame de Brinvilliers, the celebrated French poisoner. When Mrs. Bezos was called to the stand, she disproved every statement made by the boy. I don't believe in spiritualism, but I did take Robert to a hypnotist once, and tried to have him cured of his habit of stealing, she said. She was severely cross-examined by Dr. A. E. Osborne, an alienist and member of the Juvenile Court Committee. He asked her about her illness, and found that her symptoms were not those of a woman suffering from poison. Then the doctors learned that the dogs which the boy said he had poisoned were not given poison, but died of distemper. I want to say, said Dr. Osborne, after he ex examined the woman and the boy, the examiner has been absolutely correct in every phase of, of this boy's story. I first thought that it might have been possible that the examiner got off on the wrong foot, but after investigating the case, I find that instead it jumped upon the case with both feet and exposed the mystery that lay beneath. If this case had not been, been investigated by the examiner, the boy might have been taken at his word and been sent to a reform school. He is not normal and is easily influenced by persons with whom he has any associations. 
He is under an influence at the time that he has been telling the story. Just as the examiner said, the boy is under a hypnotic spell. A dozen witnesses testified that the boy's reputation for veracity was bad and that he would deliberately lie and admit that he was not telling the truth. Then came the investigation into the poison theory more deeply. Mrs. Bezos said she first became sick about the middle of February last. The boy said that the, the poison was administered every three days since the 1st of January. He said he gave her about 20 doses. He measured the required amount, which proved to be one quarter of a box, instead of the box and a half which he said he gave the woman. Dr. Osborne was then asked for a medical opinion by the court as to the amount required to kill a person. He replied, If the boy gave the woman just one half the amount he says he did, in one dose, she would have been dead in about 15 minutes. She could not have survived. The boy, according to his story, gave Mrs. Bezos about six grains of the poison. If he gave her only two, it would have killed her. Now that the boy's remarkable tale that he gave poison to Mrs. Bezos and her drinking water has been exploded, the most interesting feature of the case lies in the attempt which will be made by W.B. Stone, the hypnotist, to bring the child from his trance. I was confident from the first the child was hypnotized, he said this afternoon, and I volunteered my services to the court to bring him out. I can do it, and have done it before when persons who believed they had committed a crime were under the influence of the hypnotist. The boy's father is Theodore Nichols of San Francisco, and his mother resides in Santa Cruz. They were divorced in Santa Cruz in 1905, the husband being granted the divorce on the grounds of desertion. The boy has a twin brother in an orphanage at Watsonville. San Jose, April 8th. The Nichols poisoning case crossed the border into the supernatural tonight. In an effort to discover the truth of 11-year-old Robert Nichols, remarkable story of having systematically poisoned his foster mother, Mrs. Olympia Bezos of Los Gatos, by putting rat poison in her drinking water. The boy was subjected to a treatment which might have been hypnotic, but which was called mental suggestion after the Emanuel movement. W.B. Stone, a San Jose student of the workings of the subconscious brain, who is convinced that the boy has acted under the influence of a powerful mind in the concoction of his poison confession, attempted to prove this theory by erasing from the boy's mind all memory concerning poison. The outcome of the experiment is in doubt. The boy was placed in front of the healer and told in a powerful manner to forget all this unpleasantness in his life and to never again administer poison to any member of his family or to anyone else. I am convinced, Stone said, that if the boy is let alone and not forced into his false belief again by doctors and alienists examining him, that he will recover. He has been under the spell of an evil spirit or thought. He is now out of it and will stay out if he is taken care of. I would let him run free tonight. If the boy tells tomorrow the same story that he told today, then there will be no more work for the healer. The experiment was one of several that have been suggested today by physicians and juvenile court workers in investigating the case. Assistant District Attorney Sex, who has had charge of the case in the juvenile court, 
suggest giving Robert Ether to get to the truth of the story. Two alienists who have been asked to examine the boy tomorrow will report to the juvenile court the best method of treatment. The experiment tonight was carried on in the home of George W. Lee, probation officer, in whose charge the boy was placed. By the light of a dim light, with the moon struggling to brighten one end of the little room, the boy was treated. He laughed at times as though he thought it was a good joke. Then his face would become dreamy and serious, as if thoughts that he could not explain were rising in his mind. The mother sat in a chair nearby. A middle-aged, superstitious woman, she believed that all this might help the boy. She said that she could not understand his condition any more than could the physicians and court officials. All she knew was that she had been ailing and that now she was better. Her illness, she said tonight, had been caused, she had little doubt, by the placing of a small quantity of rat poison in the water that her boy brought her every morning. The room was dark, she said, and she could not see the white flecks on top of the water. She became more haggard day by day. She discovered where that the boy had been buying poison and where he had secreted it in the house. When she taxed him with giving it to her, he admitted it. After the discovery of the poison, she began to get better. I would have been in my grave soon, she said. I don't know what to think. I know the clerk who sold him the poison, and yet I cannot think that he gave it to me. It is too terrible. She added as an afterthought, Sometimes it seems as if the planets are too strong for us, that they make us do things and we cannot help it. She did not believe much in the planets influencing human life, she hastened to say, but she had studied astrology a little. She did not know hypnotism, but two years ago her husband and the boy had been treated by a hypnotist, and possibly some of the trouble might have grown out of that. It was all beyond her. It has been suggested by some students of this case that the mother might have had a reason to hypnotize the boy into the belief that he poisoned her. Family troubles over money matters are the basis for this hint. Both mother and boy deny that any talk of this kind ever took place between them. They appear to understand each other perfectly and to have a great affection for each other. The boy has maintained all along that some power stronger than himself led him to buy and administer the poison. He was asked if he believed in the power of the planets. Yes, he said promptly, don't you? I think they have an influence over us, he had explained. I don't know whether it's the planets or the horoscope. I forget what they call it, but it is stronger than we are. This line of similar thought running between the woman and the boy and the use of the phrase stronger power in its relation to the planets and poison has furnished food for thought to the alienists and those who believe in the hypnotic theory of this case. On the sensitive tablet of this boy's brain has been written a story that would fit in one of Balzac's French tales of depraved peasant family life. In ordinary circumstances, he is a normal boy, quieter and more book-loving perhaps than the average, but loving, playful, and inquisitive. But ask him whether he poisoned his mother and forth will come a story in set phrases, framed in language that he never learned in school or books, deliberate, cold, uncanny. His eyes take on a fixed expression, as if he did not see what was going on around him, but was listening to some strange inner voice. The boy is held at the home of George W. Lee, 
probation officer of the city. He will be examined tomorrow by alienists. Upon their report will depend the action of Judge P.F. Gosby of the juvenile court. The question is whether to send the boy back to his foster parents or send him to a reform school. It is likely that he will be returned to his home. His mother has charged him with having attempted to poison her by giving her rough on rats in a glass of water on many occasions in the last three months. Robert says it is true, and that he also poisoned a dog, set fire to a house, and stole $200 in gold from his mother, some of which he threw away. There are few who think the boy is telling the truth. The mother, after learning how sentiment drifted in this direction, now says the boy was hypnotized by a traveling professor of that art two years ago, and that his queer actions are attributable to that cause. She asserts she discovered the drug stores where her son brought, bought the poison, and that she found the box he kept it in. That she did not die as a result of drinking poison morning after morning is attributed to the fact that she was taking a medicine at the time, one ingredient of which formed an antidote to the arsenic, and also to the fact that the poisonous properties of rough-on rats did not stay on the surface of the water. However all this might be, the great question is, who suggests this poison plot story to the boy? Dr. A.E. Osborne, an alienist, and others who have associated with and studied the boy, report that he is subject to some influence that has not been revealed. Mrs. Isabel Merriman, a wealthy philanthropist, a member of the Juvenile Court Committee who has taken a deep interest in the case, has received information that had led her to the, the belief that the sinister influence was all in the boy's home, on the part of his parents, who have made this pitiful subject of him to hide other matters from the light. Little aid is given by the boy himself in the search for the boy's unseen tormentors. He was found cleaning a window on the front porch of the Lee Cottage on the outskirts of the city. He stared as any boy would at the strangers who came up the street, but prepared himself for an examination with a suspicious readiness and alacrity, as if he knew it was coming and rather enjoyed it. His appearance on the witness stand in court yesterday, attorneys say, was the most remarkable spectacle of composure and will they have ever seen in a boy. Never a tear or quaver marked his testimony. There is nothing unusual about the boy's appearance. His eyes are large and blue of changing shades, his ears prominent, his features small and regular, his hair dark and plastered neatly down. He was asked to tell again the story of how he poisoned his foster mother. Why did you do it? He was asked. Something stronger than I led me on, he said. I cannot say what it was. I cannot see it. I couldn't hear it. It seemed to take me here, pressing his hands to his forehead. I was not able to resist. Fine language, that, for a healthy 11-year-old boy who ought to be using the latest slang of the street. What did you do, Robert? I gave my mother the poison in the water glass. She was not well, and the doctor told her to drink a glass of warm water each morning before rising. I took her the water. I think it was early in January that the thing took a hold of me and told me to poison her. I put a pinch of the poison in the water and gave it to her. Did you expect her to die? No. Did you want her to die? No. I did not want to kill her. Did you know what poison was for? No. I didn't know anything about it then. But you knew it was rat poison? Yes. What did you think rat poison was for? For killing rats. 
Didn't you think that a poison that would kill rats would also kill your mother? I never saw the rats killed. I heard they were dead. This was a new line of thought for him, and he got off the track of his story. Alienists who have talked with him say that he knows only one story, and that when something new is suggested to him, he is in deep water until the suggestion is made to him how to answer. The boy went on under prompting. I gave the poison to her every three or four days for months. My mother discovered it when a bill for rat poison came from the drugstore. She asked me what I had done, and I had told her. Did you ever do anything else bad? Did you ever steal any money? I took $200 from my mother's purse. She did not know where it had gone. I spent some of it and gave her threw the rest of it away. The boys saw me throw it away in the yard and hunted for it, and I guess they found it. Asked about spirits and dreams, the boy said, We had seances for fun in the house. Father and mother and I sat around a table. We would try to make the table move. I saw lights and sometimes faces, bright at first, and then fading and going away when I would rub my eyes. The voices never said anything. I dreamed lots of things. I dreamed that I saw my brother, and when I went to touch him, he vanished. I dreamed that I saw some black fish in the creek near home, and when I went to put my hands on them, they went away. Everything seems to go away. Asked to tell more of his dreams, the boy took pencil and paper and wrote this. Last night I dreamed of a black hat. I wanted to get him out of the house, so I took him by the neck and tail. He scratched me with his long claws, and so I threw him out of the window. There was nothing else about spirits the boat that the boy could tell of. He did not know the word spiritualism, but hypnotism was familiar to him. His parents are said to have studied it a great deal. In all his talk, he used precise language, never hesitating for a word. His mother taught him, he said, what he did not know from books. French also flows freely from his tongue. When asked to, he rattled off an imaginary conversation in that language. Mrs. Lee, wife of the probation officer, a motherly woman who has taken a great liking to the strangest boy she has ever had under her roof, asked him, Do you believe in God? He stared at her and did not answer. Don't you know that God knows everything? she asked. Again, no answer. That was early this morning. Later in the day, the boy, having had time to look up a subject of God, which was evidently a stranger to him, answered the question in these words, Surely I believe in God. I think he knows all. I am a Catholic. I went to a church and confessed. The priest was in a little box, and I told him all about the poisoning and the other things I had done. He told me it was bad, and not to do it again. Do you know your rosary? asked Mrs. Lee. Here the boy was stumped again. He did not answer, but tomorrow, probably, will know all about the rosary. That is the kind of boy he is. I think, said Lee, the white-haired probation officer, I would be sure that all the story of poisoning was a lie, if it was not for one thing. A teacher of his, who had not seen him for three years, called on him a while ago. The boy went to the door. Why, Robbie, she said, I am glad to see you. I am not Robbie, the boy said. I am Eddie Snow. You are looking for a neighbor. The boy stood there by the door for half an hour, denying his identity. That shows that whether or not this poison business was suggested to him, he is capable of something like it. Robert spends the time waiting for the, for the court to decide his case, 
in reading magazines and newspapers and helping Mrs. Lee around the house. He is very affectionate, she says, and does not seem to care to go out and play. He follows her around and wants to work. He takes a great interest in his own case, reading all the newspapers and stories about it. It appears as if he was puzzled about it himself and was holding aloof and looking at another boy when he discusses the question of his confessed depravity. Mrs. Bezos came to see him last night. There was a loving scene between her and her foster son. They talked in French, and there appeared to be a perfect understanding between them on all subjects, according to the Lees. He was asked whether his mother and father had quarreled at any time about money affairs, and said, Yes, father accused mother of stealing money from him once, but there was no real quarrel. This feature of the case is being looked into by authorities. How to bring an end to this queer human problem and take care of the boy in the best way for the future is puzzling everyone. Assistant District Attorney Sex, who has charge of the case, has suggested that the boy be put under the influence of ether to bring him out of the spell and force the truth from him. This theory finds little support from W.B. Stone, a disciple of Mind Cures, who is convinced from his study of the case that the boy is acting under an evil influence and that everything he says he has been told to say by suggestion. His subjective mind has been worked upon until it is like a boat without a rudder, Stone said. Some hypnotist has had hold of him. If they are not careful, these doctors will ruin him and make it impossible to bring him out from under the influence. I am convinced that I can bring him to his real self within a half minute after I have had a chance to talk to him. I have studied this subject for 35 years and have cured many. Judge Gosby is inclined to give them all, hypnotists and alienists, a chance to work upon this subject. Mrs. Merriman thinks that the boy has been worked on in a gradual manner by all the isms of his parents and the abnormal life he led under their shelter until his mind has become so bewildered and filled with dreams he is not responsible for anything he says or does. San Jose, April 10th. That little Robert Nichols of Los Gatos cannot distinguish the efforts being made to bring him away from the hypnotic or subconscious influences upon his mind. Superior Judge P.F. Gosby today issued an order prohibiting Mrs. Olympia Bezos, his foster mother, from seeing him, so that his mind will not dwell upon the story of his attempting to administer rat poison to Mrs. Bezos. All who see the child are instructed not to discuss the subject with him, nor is he allowed to read the newspapers. Christian science today became a factor in the efforts being made to eliminate the evil in the child's mind, and Mrs. Mrs. Pavey, a Christian science healer, told probation officer Lee that she could cure the boy. She was not given the opportunity. Dr. A.E. Osborne, the alienist, who examined the boy at the trial Friday, has been given absolute charge of the case. Dr. Osborne favored keeping the child by himself and preventing him discussing his case. It was the suggestion of Assistant District Attorney James P. Sex that Ether be administered and Judge Gosby was favorably disposed. Dr. Osborne will not state when the test is to be made, but court officials are of the belief that it will be tomorrow. 
The boy is still at the home of probation officer George W. Lee. Robert never speaks about the poisoning anymore, said Lee this afternoon, and we never mention it to him. There seems to be some collusion somewhere, continued Lee, and I believe that the story was suggested to the boy. I have not believed that he was not hypnotized. Tonight, Mrs. Bezos, as is her custom, called at the Lee home to see the boy. She was refused admittance and informed of the order of the court. The woman was almost hysterical. The boy was not made aware that Mrs. Bezos called to see him. San Jose, April 15th. So baffled are the juvenile court officers over the case of Robert Nichols, the 11-year-old boy poisoner of Los Gatos, that another week has been given in which to make psychological tests of the lad in an endeavor to get at the secret of his desire to take human life. In spite of all pressure brought to bear on him, the boy sticks to his original story that he systematically gave poison to his foster mother in an effort to kill her and shield himself shield himself from blame for stealing something over $200 from her. San Jose, April 16th. Robert Nichols, the 11-year-old Los Gatos boy who for two weeks has maintained his remarkable story of giving rat poison to his foster mother, Mrs. Olympia Bezos, today confessed to Judge P.F. Gosby of the juvenile court that he had not been telling the truth. I've been lying to you, Judge, the boy said, and I want to tell the truth now and have you like me. I never gave my mother, Mrs. Bezos, any rat poison. I never put even one drop in the water which the doctor told her to drink every morning. I did buy two boxes of rat poison, but threw both away. Mrs. Bezos sent me to buy the first box because she said that the rats were in the house and she wanted to kill them. I bought the first poison at Green's Drugstore, across the street from my house, and on the way home, through curiosity, I opened the box to look at the poison. After I had opened the box, I was afraid that my mother would whip me, and so I threw it away. When I got home, she asked me what I had done with the poison, and I told her I had thrown it away, and she whipped me anyhow. About two months later, I bought the second box. The boys at school had told me that the principal had telephoned to my mother and informed me that I stole, had stolen some books from Rasmussen's bookstore and that I would have to pay for them. I knew it was a disgrace to be a thief, and so on the way home from school, I got another box of rat poison at Watkins Drugstore. I knew that Mrs. Bezos would whip me when I got home for stealing the books, and so I planned to take the poison myself to keep from being disgraced. On the way home, I threw this box of poison in the creek near my house. When I got home, the teacher had not telephoned to my mother about stealing the books from Rasmussen. I never stole any money from Mrs. Bezos. I often had money changed at the stores about town, but she always sent me with it. Sometimes it was $20 and sometimes $10, and she gave it to be changed when some of her boarders had paid her. The reason I said I gave Mrs. Bezos poison was because she told me to tell it. She said that unless I said that I gave her rat poison, the police would put me in jail. She said that the doctors knew that she had been given poison and that I must say I had given it to her. My mother told me that unless I said that I gave both her and Mr. Bezos the poison, I would surely be put in a dark cell. 
I was afraid to say anything else. I want to tell the truth. I don't want to be a bad boy, and people say that boys that lie always get in trouble. The judge cross-questioned him closely, and the lad only continued as before, and when asked to explain why he lied on the witness stand, he replied, My mother told me to tell the story. The new story told Judge Gosby by the boy has opened an entirely new line of investigation. The court officials are not thoroughly acquainted with the reasons that were behind Mrs. Bezos' motives when she told the boy to buy the first box of rat poison at Green's drugstore. Although the boy has confessed to everything, and in the most minute details explains the false story of the rat poison, the supposed theft of $200, and the fact that Mrs. Bezos told the boy to tell the story of giving her a deadly dose of poison, the court officials are silent. And that's the end of this episode. A list of sources consulted for this episode can be found in the show description. If you have a question, a comment, or if you know a lesser-known story that you'd like to see covered, leave a comment on the podcast page, post it to our Facebook page at Forgotten Darkness Podcast, or send it to our email at ForgottenDarkness77 at gmail.com. We're also on Twitter at Forgotten Darkness Podcast. And so until next episode, this is Andrew signing off.